What's up, guys? It's your girl, Erica Nicole. And I don't know about you guys, but I hope you are really enjoying the series of the co-authors from If Resilient Was a Person. I'm telling you, my sisters in this anthology, their stories are flat out amazing. So I'm not going to be before you long because this is episode 69. We have Melissa Gabriel and oh my God, another just life-changing, life-altering story. So I hope you enjoy. Don't forget to connect. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to share. And don't forget to leave a review. Guys, we need you over here in Wake, Pray, Shine Media. We need you, the producers of Speak Life with Erica Nicole. We need you so we can continue to share this good information everywhere that we're allowed to share it. Enjoy the interview. Yeah, I'll do that from my other phone. All right. All right. Good evening, everybody. We are here. We are live. Welcome to Speak Life with Erica Nicole, episode 67, 69. Oh my God, I can't believe it's 69. And I am here with my guest, Miss Melissa Gabriel. And I'm so excited. I'm looking down. Because I'm having to go fix something really quick. Um, for some reason, StreamYard always wants me to go um, to my friends and not to the world. And we are here to speak to the world. So I am here with Melissa. And Melissa is flat out amazing. So just a brief story, just a brief title about her. Melissa is a suicide prevention advocate. She is a prophet. She is a speaker and an influence, and she's a co-author. Now, Melissa is also one of my co-authors in the book, If Resilient as a Person. And as you know, we're doing the series. We're talking to all the co-authors, and Melissa is here. So, Melissa, I want you to go ahead and tell the people about you. Of course, we are live on YouTube and on Facebook on two different places. So, guys, I want you to hit the share button. I want you to tag people in. Let this is not about me, guys. This is about Melissa and her story and what she is getting ready to share. And if I don't know anything else, I know you want to know Melissa. So tag and share. Melissa, how are you this evening? I am doing great. I'm excited to be here. I couldn't wait. <laughs> um, I love um, to be transparent. So I love to tell my story. Um, so this is just this is exciting for me. I love I love when I meet somebody that's about that fishbowl ministry. Yeah, you know that fit all I, you know, in a fishbowl, you cannot hide anything. Sure, can. it's just out there for exposure. But and I it, really feel like that is what God is looking for right now. Mm -hmm. He's really looking for people that will show their nail holes. You know, yep. no more of that fancy stuff. No more putting lipstick on a pig. No more dressing it up to make it look good. Right. Like, stop spraying air freshener on your trash. Right. Let's deal with the trash so God can heal the trash. And now your message, it becomes your message. Right. right? And that's what right. he wants. And he's just, yeah. I think he's over it. I'm over it. Yeah, <laughs> me too. I'm over it. So, <laughs> Melissa, your story is so layered, right? So much. And, I, you know, I always lend the floor to you guys. But I'm going to first start out with why did you write in the project if resilient was a person? Uh, I wrote I wrote in the project because, um, number one, I needed a push to write my own book, and I knew that would be the push. Number two, I really think uh, my story, um, being resilient, is being able to endure the abuse that I did and still forgive the individual. So that's I wanted people to understand that even though you endure some things from people, that you can still forgive and you can live, you know, you can, you can live the life that you deserve. And so that's the reason that I wanted to tell that particular story in the book. Oh, I love it. I've read your story. I'm not going to tell your story because I want people to buy the book, but I love what you say about forgiveness because forgiveness is for us. Mm -hmm. It's not for the person. And I think a right. lot of times people feel like if I forgive them, I'm letting them off. No, you're letting yourself off. Right. <laughs> you're releasing right. yourself from that bondage um, yeah. that that incident, whatever that may be, is holding you. And, you know, you hear that statement for unforgiveness is like drinking poison, mm -hmm. expecting that other person to die when you are killing yourself. 
Right. So you have to forgive. And I, I mean, I know people don't want to hear it, but we really need to forgive quickly. Yes. Like yes. really, really quickly so we can move on and we can be healed and mm -hmm. we can be free. So then God can do what he needs to do. Right. Um, I want to ask you really quick about your road to forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Was it a quick road? Was it a long road? What did you do? Uh, for him, it was <laughs> it was a long, a long period of time. But during this time of all of this, I had lost my brother to suicide. Okay, so that's where the Lord um, revealed people to me, and I examined my life. You know, and so I didn't want to continue to live the way I had lived. And so I knew that I really had to listen to the Lord and it, and it took time. Like I would forgive him. And, you know, like the word says, you have to forgive 70 times 70. I have continued to have to forgive him. Um, but when he was in need, I was able to pray for him, you know, oh, so wow. it, it got to that point. And I think it's just a lot of times when we, when tragedy hits us, we're so caught up in the grief that we don't examine, you know, our life and where we are. And that's what happened to me. And so then as the Lord would show me people and why they do what they do, um, I was better able to understand people and have more love and compassion for them. Not saying, um, not to the point where, you know, accepting what they do, right. You can still love people and not accept actions and have boundaries, you know, so that that's how I learned uh, to really love people. Well, because we love people, but we don't love the sin. Correct. Right. right? We love people, but we don't mm -hmm. love the sin. And that that's it. Like forgiveness. I remember, well, in, in right currently, right. I'm in a huge transition. I've mm -hmm. been divorced for going on two years um, next year. I mean, next month. And mm -hmm. I too find myself continuously Mm -hmm. having to forgive not only him, but myself, right? right? Because God yeah. is showing me, me mm -hmm. in yeah. this process. And so I'm not only having to forgive him, but I'm having to give, forgive myself for right. how I handled the situation, how I responded to the situation. Right. Um, right. how, you know, cause I did my part and he did. He right. <laughs> and it's a constant thing. And I think that's, that's the beauty of it all because when you're healing, Right. Because all of this is about healing. Healing is yes. a journey. It's not a destination. You yes. know, and that's why I think God so eloquently said, you know, 70 times seven in a nutshell over and over <laughs> and over again, yeah. as many times as you need to. Because what that means is when the issue bubbles up, mm -hmm. you're going to have to handle it. Yes. You're going <laughs> to have to handle it. Right. So tell us a little bit about you, Melissa. You got a lot going on. So you lost your brother to suicide. Um, yes. I myself am a suicide, a mother of a suicide survivor. Oh, wow. I All right. So that. my youngest daughter, um, she had, and she went through a crisis and she did try um, to remove herself from the presence of the world. And okay. I always laugh and say she took a long nap. And yeah. when she woke up, right, she had some, we yeah. had some decisions to make. And it was a rough time. It was a very, very rough time because like most families or all families, mm -hmm. um, I looked at myself. Right. Right. What did I miss? How did I miss it? Mm -hmm. How could I prevent this? How did I let this happen? Like all of these things, I looked at myself mm -hmm. um, and it was hard. It was, right. it was hard, especially being a professional. You know, I'm a professional yeah. clinician. I am trained. I know the answers to ask the people and yeah. here my own daughter is suffering mm -hmm. in silence. Right. In silence. How did you go through that? Um, from with your brother's crisis? Uh, man, in the beginning, so I was in the, um, you know, the abusive marriage. And once I examined my life and I was like, my brother committed suicide, this is too much for me. I left, I exited the marriage. I made some big decisions in the very beginning. Um, it was real tough because I'm not from Oklahoma. I have no family here. Um, I became a single mom um, after having a husband. He provided um, I really took care of the kids all the time, but I went from two income to <laughs> almost nothing at the time. And I had all preteens. And so um, during the first few years, I was mentally and emotionally not available uh, for my children because I was still grieving. I, I was grieving my brother 
then I left the ex-husband. I knew him for over 18 years. We'd known each other for a long time. So then I was grieving that loss, even though he abused me. And then I was trying to heal from, you know, that trauma and then trying to raise kids. Um, and so my, what my, uh, oldest son had a back surgery, had a spinal fusion at age 16. My mom came in town. Okay. And I had been going to work. I had been functioning. My mom came in town and she noticed cause she knew me and she said, Melissa, you are not living. You know, your brother is gone. And I was like, wow. You know, like that just hit me because nobody else noticed that I was functioning at a high level, severely depressed. You know, I would come home and go to bed. And so after that, it kind of gave me a kick. Um, and I began to help people. Um, I would do Christmas. I helped like seven families, like as much as I could. There was not a lot that the Lord would let me do so that I would not hurt people during that time. I really paid attention to his voice because when my brother had passed away, I had screamed at God and asked him why. And I heard God's voice clear. And he's, you know, he answered me and I had peace in that in that moment, um, I know a lot of people say, don't question God, but you can ask him questions Absolutely, <laughs> and he will definitely answer. And he did. And he was like, oh, you want to talk to me now? I've been calling you your whole life. And I was, Ooh. oh, wow. You know, so then yeah. after that, I knew his voice. And so, you know, during this journey, it was just, it was helping people. And then I was learning, I, I read um, Joe Osteen every day of Friday, that book is the best book for mindset and perception about people and why they do what they do. And so that began my journey of learning to change my mindset. So to, that was 2012. So I began my surrender uh, to the Lord. And about five years ago, I became very serious. And so I joined a church and I was everywhere. I was at every event because I needed to be where God was. You were hungry. You know, in a, yeah, and around people because I didn't want to be at home. I'd be depressed, you know, all of that stuff. And then um, five years ago, the Lord asked me to step out. Um, I was a nurse uh, for 15 years. And so now I'm in full-time ministry. And it was it was just one day at a time. It wasn't, you know, I just took that one moment. Um, just a couple years ago, um, I had asked the Lord um, if I could have joy in the morning because I was tired of crying. You know, like when I'm telling my brother's story, I wanted to have boldness and courage and, you know, wanted to be able to tell that story without breaking down every time. And so um, my granddaughter was born um, the day after um, he had committed suicide. He was he committed suicide May 12th. She was born May 13th. My God. Uh, and then this year, um, I was ordained as a prophet the day I after. I saw that. Congratulations. <laughs> the day after my brother's birthday. And so those things are significant for me to celebrate, yeah. you know, so that I'm not every time that date comes around, you know, I'm not depressed. And so I also believe helping other people and being around, you know, like-minded people to help you. You're going to have moments. You There's still moments that, that I do have moments of crying. And I'm like, you know, I wish my brother could see me, you know, from where I've come from to where I am today. Um, but I know that what I'm doing is is for, for him, you know, and for others. And so I get the satisfaction of it and God gets the glory. So it's just working just one day at a time, you know. When oh, my we, God. When we it's focus too much so on. So much in that. Yeah. When we focus too much on, you know, okay, how am I going to be in six months? It's just, it's just that one moment, you know, one day, wake up, you know, write goals. What decisions are you going to make? Because sometimes um, if you're not writing stuff down and you don't see it tangibly, then you don't really know that you are getting past stuff or you are accomplishing things. And so that's also um, what I did. Oh my God. All right, guys. So we are here talking to Melissa Gabrielle. Melissa is a suicide activist, prevention activist. She is a prophet. She is an ordained minister. She is an author. She has a book coming out. I believe we're in pre-sale right now, aren't we? Yes. So yes. We got, she has a book coming out. She's a co-author, but now she is also an author. She is doing the thing. The co-author just gave her the push. And today we're talking about abuse. We're talking about functional depression, right? We're talking about suicide. And it's raw and real, guys. Y'all know how we deliver it because it is time for people to understand that we're not alone in this journey. You're not the only one. 
Um, and, and, and I'm going to stop. If this is a trigger for you, maybe this is not the episode for you. But if you are ready to hear of triumphancy in God, deliverance in God, life turning around in God, if you're ready to hear about some but God moments, then you do want to be here. We want to hear from you. Whatever, um, wherever you're listening to us on right now, if you're watching the live on YouTube or on Facebook, definitely chime in in the comments. Let us hear from you. If you have any questions for Melissa, um, she's here. She wants to answer. Um, we just want to see more people free. Yes. For lack of a better word, free. I know about functional depression. I functioned in functional depression probably for 10 years. You know, and it came out as anger. It came out as a lot of things, but I was just getting it done because you got the to-do list and you got to get it done and you got to check the boxes and you got kids. And if you don't show up, then what about them? Right. While you're bleeding, right? Like, I, and I love that you said that God would only allow you to do so much because you were still bleeding. Right. And he didn't want you to start hemorrhaging, <laughs> right? So yeah. he just allowed you to do so much. And so you were serving through mm-hmm. that phase of healing, which I think is so important because yeah. you were able to take the, the reflection off of you. Right. You were able to put it on somebody else. Yes. I remember my bishop, he always makes this statement and he always says, what you think about, you bring about. You know, mm-hmm. your life goes in the direction of your most dominant thought. So as we stew on the brokenness, mm-hmm. as we stew on the pain, we're only bringing about more of that. Right. Right. You could call it the law of attraction. You call it whatever you want to call it. But the bottom line is the word of God says, as a man thinking, so is he. So if all we focus on is the brokenness, then guess what? We're just going to multiply the brokenness. Right. When the goal is really to focus on the healing and you not only focused on the healing, you put faith to your feet and you worked it out. You got out of the abusive marriage. Yes. Right. You forgave. Mm-hmm. You were able to pray for him freely. Yes. That's huge. That is huge. Cause a lot of people are probably watching this. Like, <laughs> I wish I would. Yeah. I yep. wish and, I would. Yeah. And I used to think that at first. And then when the Lord was like, you know, cause he had called me and said he needed help. And he was like, Melissa, I've watched your faith. And I was like, Oh, he's been watching me. Like you said about the fishbowl. Um, and so, I, I had no choice but to go pray for him, you know, and help him. That doesn't mean that's not an everyday thing. Our kids are grown, so we don't have conversations. But um, I never, even though everything he did to me, I never bashed him as a father. He never picked the kids up on the weekend, all that stuff. That was not, the Lord told me, we, as a woman, just because he doesn't do what he's supposed to do, the Lord said he would handle him. He said, you have no right you know, to take somebody's kids away, you know, all this different stuff. And so I never did. I let him come around the kids when he felt like it. Now that they're older, um, he does help out more and they establish their own relationship with him. But it never was. I never talked about him no matter what he did to me. You know, I never, never did those things. I lived that life with my parents who were divorced. So I knew better. I know because my ex, he was a great dad. He still is a great dad. He's a yeah. great papa. I'm going to never take that from him. Him and I were just in a cycle and we needed right. to get out of the cycle. So we got right. out of the cycle. That's right. all that is to that. I tell somebody, when we yeah. were in a cycle and neither one of us could get off that merry-go-round. We didn't know how. We just, and it's sad because when you know the Lord, right? Right. When you know the Lord and you mm-hmm. say you're walking with the Lord, but you can't break the cycle. Right. And it's because we were bleeding. Mm-hmm. We were both bleeding. So right. here we're trying to break the, break the cycle and we're hemorrhaging all over the place. And right. it's a huge, toxic environment. Yeah. So it's crazy. See, because unlike you, when mm-hmm. I got divorced, like we still went to the same church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I kept asking God, can I leave the church? You know, God, yeah. why can't I leave the church? God, <laughs> we're still at the same church. We're still there. We talk about yeah. once a week. And I pray for him probably more now than yeah. I prayed for him when we were married. Yeah. But that, I think that too, ha- that has nothing to do with the relationship. Mm-mm. Now that has to do with the better understanding right. I have with Christ. Like you said, I noticed you said that in two phases, you mm-hmm. gave your life to Christ, mm-hmm. but then there was a turn 
where right. you began to take that more seriously. Correct. Right. Yes. There was an increase of you and God in this relationship. Right. And I think that's what's happening. So tell us what is, oh God, what, how do I want to word this? <laughs> it's so much, to, it's so much yummy stuff to talk about. Um, and I know one of the roles you operate in is deliverance. Yes, it is. It is deliverance. And you walk in, you walk in that because you had to walk through that. Correct. I did. So tell us a little bit about your journey. Okay. So um, for most of my life from age 15 to age 40, I'm 45. <laughs> um, I was in sexual morality. So I, I mean, I don't even know how many men, you know, that I've had sex with. I say that to people a lot. Um, in my past, I was a wild teenager. Um, I don't, it, it could have um, been because of having dad issues because my father was not the father I thought he needed to be. Um, and most of the time I just did it to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like probably just to be accepted. And so when I realized that I was done with it at age 40, um, I had been involved with the individual that I was actually bringing to church and I was in ministry and the Lord sat me down and I was sleeping with him. Um, and I thought it was going to be, you know, it seemed like it was great, you know, all this stuff, but the Lord kept speaking to me. And so finally the Lord spoke to me in my backyard as a matter of fact, and he, and he said, I saved you from HIV and STDs. I'm not sure that I'm going to continue to save you if you continue to go down this path. And so um, I was like, <laughs> okay, I'm done. So uh, one of my mentors um, who mentored me in deliverance, I called her, I said, look, I'm ready. Cause I knew, I knew um, that I couldn't go to deliverance and hold that and still be involved in it. You know what I'm saying? Cause I wanted to maximize my freedom. There are people that do that and that's okay. Cause you get a little bit of freedom. You know, I never turn anybody away, but for me, I wanted to be completely free. And so, um, I think it was 2018 was when, um, I first had deliverance first session. Um, and I became really free then. And then I continued because deliverance, just like anything else, is continuous. It's not um, a one and done. Some people get really free in the first session. Um, and I describe it almost like, because um, some people say, why do we do one-on-one? -on -one? Well, sometimes you don't want to do deliverance in a crowd because you don't want to expose somebody you know, and the things that they've been through. And so in a deliverance session, people, you know, you use your own gift. You get to hear the Holy Spirit. We're just a vessel to help you, you know, while Holy Spirit, Jesus is there, you know, in the room. And so, um, and it's you taking authority over yourself um, and, and what you've done, you know. So um, I started that journey. I've probably had over 20 sessions um, in my family lineage. My dad is Lebanese and Polish. So we had a lot of anger. I was a very angry person. Um, I would fly off the handle. Growing up as a teenager, I beat people up all the time. They're all over my Facebook. I've had to apologize. <laughs> um, I was wild in high school. Um, and up until my 20s, um, I was pretty pretty destructive, pretty wild. Um, Should have been in prison, but, but didn't end up there. Um, and so that helped me. Now, I didn't deal with trauma. Um, from the ex-husband until recently, I didn't realize how bad it was. Oh, wow. So, af so after deliverance, I began to deal with trauma. And so now, like, my life is just like, before little things would bother me about people. Now it's just like, I don't even notice it. Um, and I realized that it was triggers for trauma. And so I think it's great, you know, about your divorce, um, because I think that people need to understand that you should address trauma in your life before you establish a relationship or a marriage. Absolutely. And I think if you don't know, you don't know, but because um, a lot of people that I mentor too in ministry, um, there's people that are married and they're dealing with the marriage stuff and all the trauma. And it's very difficult. It is very, very difficult. difficult. And that's what yeah. it was. Mm -hmm. You know, now my mama's yeah. favorite statement is hindsight is 2020. Right. So now looking back, because I did go to a trauma therapist, um, yeah. after the divorce, I went to, I got in therapy. I tell people all the time, you need three things. You need the couch therapist, yeah. you need the cross God, and you, yeah. you probably need a coach in a few areas as well. Yeah. And right. so I did that. I got in church. I got in my word. I began a journal, but I got a therapist and that therapist took me back 
to two-year-old Erica, 13-year-old Erica, 16-year-old Erica, where I had left her. Right. Right. I had left her in all of this trauma. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm bringing it to this marriage saying I'm going to love this person when I ain't even loving myself. Right. And then I'm expecting him to do to save me when that's Jesus already did that. So all of these things, you know, all of these things. And so I've done a lot of healing. Yet I am not done by any means necessary. Like you said, you went through deliverance after deliverance after deliverance. Mm -hmm. Now I feel like the Holy Spirit is guiding me back to that. Um, Talk about deliverance because I feel like there are people listening, right? That may not be from the same church experience you and I are from. And maybe they don't understand being delivered, right? They don't understand that process. And then they're thinking, well, why does she have to go through it so many times? So spend some time right there for me. Okay. different different things happen so a lot of times um we don't know what's in our bloodline from our lineage right um there's um different things um people when people um join secret societies like mason um even fraternities you know there's different things that that you come in agreement with and even your ancestors like some ancestors have created altars some ancestors have done witchcraft and even though you may not have performed that yourself it's in your bloodline and so that that stuff has to be removed and destroyed um and then you don't know like all the sexual immorality molestation rape incest all of that stuff sometimes you know um i know that you probably grew up in the same era that i did um what's done in the house and said in the house stays in the house and so a lot of us don't know what um our previous ancestors did you know unless we do consult holy spirit to reveal some things to us because sometimes some of the cycles and decision making um that we do is linked to um the bloodline and ancestors and so we have to we have to deal with those things um also um ungodly soul ties uh unforgiveness is a big thing um I had, I'll give an example. I had unforgiveness for my father because I had forgot that I said I hated him when I was a teenager, which created an ungodly soul tie. And that's when I accepted the ex-husband as a husband and he is identical to my father, my my biological father. And so that was a familiar spirit. Okay. And so if you, if you have accepted Jesus, you cannot be possessed. You may have demonic influence or some demonic oppression. And so that needs to be dealt with. I have a psychiatrist and a counselor too. So I believe in hitting the natural and the spiritual side. Absolutely. Plenty, plenty of times Jesus cast out demons and, and he tells us to do that in Matthew 10, 8, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of it. Um, I know a lot of people probably don't understand or don't see, but there is a demonic force around us 24 seven, you know, so I mean, if you read, this is, this is my, my perspective. And I heard somebody else teach it like in Job where Job said, the thing I feared the most has come upon me. Fear is opposite of faith. So you have to repent for it. And it's an open door. Okay. Even though we accept Christ and we, and we're new and we're transforming as we're transforming, because we don't have to be perfect, but he's shedding stuff off of us. And that's where deliverance comes in. That's where counseling comes in. That's where, you know, mentorship, coaching, psychiatry, whatever, when we bring all of that um, together, um, helps us get free. Because I know that sometimes we think, oh, when I get to heaven, I'll be free. No, we're supposed to have heaven on earth. And that's why I believe in maximizing freedom here, because we can walk free um here you know while we are on earth we don't have to wait till we get to heaven and that's what i love about how i learned about deliverance um and walking in it because i want to see people free um a lot of times um people can't get to their destiny um they're stuck uh they're stagnant it could be ungodly soul ties it could be you know a number of things um people celebrate the dead you know they go to graves they do all these different things that and sometimes people are like, you know, your team too much, but they're open doors to the enemy. And so when you open the door, that's why we have seen a lot of people die prematurely because um, premature death is not our portion as believers. 
Um, but because we open a door and then we don't have anybody to help us um, navigate that and, and, and teach us how to close those doors so that they're not oh left God. open. Um, so. Melissa, you have said so much in that moment. And I know you know it because I know this is what you operate in. And, and you're right. People, they don't get it. They don't get it. Um, I have myself, I am learning and I'm processing so much newness in right. Christ um, mm -hmm. in my life. And there are some things that I am investigating right thoroughly to make yeah. some decisions. So I get it. And you and yeah. me going to be getting together off screen. Um, yeah. So I can, because so, it's some things I need. I got some questions yeah. and I need some answers and God is speaking to me, but he's not speaking to me right now for public viewing. Right. right. So I get right. that. Yeah. Um, but I get what you're saying because the word of God says, who the son sets free is free indeed. Yes. But then the question is, are you willing to get the work to get right. the ultimate freedom that he has for us? You said right. it's so simple as in heaven on earth, as it right. is in heaven. Yes. Well, in heaven, we're to be totally free. We're to worship God right. all day and all night, mm -hmm. not yeah. slay demons. So why right. are we down here? Bobbing and weaving with demons that we've opened the door to. Right. Correct. And then some we may not even open the door to, as you said, right. our ancestors. We Correct. don't know what our ancestors did. I was listening to a um a podcast by Sarah Jakes. Mm -hmm. And I was it was the latest one she did, and it was called Affirmation of a Father. So mm -hmm. it was coming right off the tail end of, of course, mm -hmm. um, T.D. Jakes giving her passing the mantle over. Right. And he was speaking and he said it. He said to fight the demons of your ancestors. Mm -hmm. And he said, it, if I have not won the victory over all my demons by now, then now right. what? I've done all of this and I have not. And it's that thing is because I think a lot of times we go through life um, mm -hmm. in a place of naiveness, if yeah. you will. Mm -hmm. As in to think, oh, that that that's them. That's not me. Right. But we have no idea what's in the bloodline. Right. We don't right. know. Like I don't know if my ancestors had slaves or not. I don't know if somebody was Jack the Ripper or a rapist or a. Right. I could have had a whole Jack Kevorkian in my family bloodline. Right. We don't know. Yeah. You know we yeah. don't know, and so to do the work to break that. Because yes. if we don't, then we do end up in situations as in, like you just said, an abusive relationship. Right. And you're really thinking, how did I how, get here? Right. How, how did I get here? Yeah. How did I get here? What happened? Because I remember um, when I was dealing with the divorce, I remember sitting down in the floor and talking to God. And I said, God revealed unto me how I got here. Mm -hmm. Who's. Who sold the seed? Yeah. <laughs> Who sold the seed, right? Because yeah. the seed we sow is the harvest we reap. Right. Who sold the seed? Mm -hmm. Where do I, what address, what area do I need to address? And, you know, then I get with my therapist and I'm talking to 13-year-old Erica, 16-year-old mm -hmm. Erica that lost her ever-loving mind, right. right? I had that moment like you had mm -hmm. and I lost my mind. I became, I became a mom very early. So mm -hmm. I shifted but my understanding and the things that I was, was doing and the risk that I was taking is crazy. And I yeah. told somebody, it's so funny when I turned 50, I just turned 50 last year. 50, I turned 51 this year. And I know I don't look it, but I really No, don't. you look good. Right. Thank you. Thank God. Thank God I don't look like what I've been through. I know. Yeah. But I remember telling, I remember waking up at 50 and I remember weeping. And it was the craziest thing because I'm like, I don't have AIDS. I've had, you know, I got kids. So obviously mm -hmm. I've had unprotected hey, sex, yeah, right? Yeah. Right? Let's keep it with 100. I didn't get right. married a virgin. So, you know, right. come on. Yeah. I don't have AIDS. I'm not strung out on drugs. I'm not homeless. I'm not in the, I'm not in a mental institution. Like I went through all of these things that could have been. Right. Because yeah. of life. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. The traumas. And I was like, wow. It's time to get, you know, and at that mm -hmm. point, I was like you, okay, God, here is my yes. Mm -hmm. What is it you would have me 
to do? Mm -hmm. What is it you would have me to say? Who do you want me to minister to? What what do you want me to do? Mm -hmm. I will do it. And if it's fishbowl ministry, if it's raw and real podcast blasting all over the where, so be it. Yeah. (laughs) Because if I can help one person. Yep. If I can help one little girl at the age of 16, stop. Right. Yes. If I can help one person, you know, just whatever. Right. Know that they can overcome. Yes. Yes. It's all worth it. It's all worth it. It is. It's all worth it because I know that someone's prayers are working for my good. Yes. Like someone's prayer, Mm -hmm. somebody sowed some seed on my behalf. And life hasn't been easy. Mm -mm. You know, (laughs) I've buried a child. I've I've been through some things, some stuff and things. And, um, you know, every morning when I wake up, all I can do is say thank you. Mm -hmm. You know, thank you. So, Melissa, what's next for you? Uh, Next for me is... um... I don't know if I included this in my, so I manage a Christian rapper from St. Louis. Uh, his name is Nemo Jones, 314. So you may see me uh, promoting him. We have a ministry together. It's called Christ Stars Movement Group. Um, so we're getting, we've been building the foundation. Um, you may see me promote it a little bit. Um, our desire um, and our, what we want to do is number one, bridge the gap um, between a generation and God you know, bringing them uh, to God. Um, we want to go into the the churches and speak to the youth and the young adults um, and empower them, the ones that are in church, um, because we know that when we leave here, they're going to be the ones left behind. And their gifts are, every generation that comes up after us, the gifts are just heightened and ridiculous. Yeah you know, and so our goal is to get them to listen to something else, you know, obviously, Um, and then, you know, just do, like, block parties. Um, A lot of times I go to St. Louis to preach and teach. I love to go to the trenches. That's that's one of my favorite places to go. I like to go where nobody else wants to go, Um, so that's the next thing is to launch that um, in the upcoming months is for us to really um, break out in that. Do I look forward to it because our kids need you. Yes. Like the things that these generations after us are going through. Oh yeah. Are crazy. It is right. The, the mm-hmm. suicides that we're having and the younger, yes. the younger, like you're talking about six and seven and like what in the world? Yep. I was playing with Barbie dolls. Mm-hmm. I didn't even understand what suicide was. I think I was like 12 or 13 um, before I had my first um, dealings with suicide. And it was a family friend. And I still remember having that conversation with my mom. And I was just, you know, just devastated. But just to think um, at seven and at six that my life has no value and whatever is happening to me is that bad that I would rather not. It just, it breaks my heart. Yeah. So I love what you're doing. Um, there's some great Christian rap out there. There oh, is there great is. Yeah. substitutes. You know, some yeah. music with some value in it. Yes. Um, I was on TikTok today, and there's a lot of mental health rap um going around, and I'm loving the testimonies and the verbiage that is being used. Well, yeah. as we wrap up, I want to ask you this question. Today I was journaling, and this was one of my journal questions, and it blew me out the water. It took me a while before I answered it. So the question was, if you could sit down and talk to Jesus, Mm -hmm. what would be the one question you would answer him? Hmm. Man, that is a tough question. It took me all day long. And I think I have, I haven't even journaled yet because I was just like, do I want to know this? I want to know this. You know, like I had a lot of questions, but I have, I've settled on my answer. Hmm. Um, I'm trying to think here if, if there's been like a question in the past for me, because sometimes I write down questions, you know, for God, like that I want answers to, um, actually I, 
See, that's what I was doing the, all yeah, day long. I know. I know. I'm like, wait a minute. Um, because I've gotten a lot of answers, but I think there's some other, um, maybe why does it take, because you know, when you're working with people, right? Why does it take some people, you know, their mindset, even when, you know, deliverance, you've done all you can do right to help them. Why does it take so long, um, for them to decide that they do want a better life or that, do, that they do deserve it. Cause I do run into that a whole lot, you know, even with counseling, even with, you know, what, what would be the makeup? Like why, why would it take them so long? And those would be the ones that I would be concerned about um, pushing suicide. You know what I'm saying? So why, what is the makeup um, even after doing everything that you know to do to help somebody? Why, why would it still take them so long? Oh, because that sucks. It sucks when you cannot mm-hmm. hit them over the fence. Yeah. It sucks royally yeah. when you cannot get them to understand. And I still battle, though. I'm not going to even be on here like I'm <laughs> got it. Because I still battle. I still dance with fear in some areas. Mm-hmm. In some areas, feeling unworthy, even with this, like even right. with what God is having me do, you know, the whole, why God, why did you pick me? What right. is this about that you have me doing this? Mm-hmm. Um, I realized I got the gift of gab. I realized, you know, I came out talking and he called me to speak life and I get that. Right. But it's like, where, where is this going? Right. Right. Where is this right. going? I've had prophecy after prophecy. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had some visions that actually flat out got me shaking in my boots. Um, but it's just, I, you know, I get that because it's like, what is preventing us from really embracing all of him? Right. Right. And even me, because I, I still have moments. I have moments in my room. That's why also I'm transparent because I don't ever want anybody to think like, oh, look at Melissa. You know, she's so great. Her life, you don't, you don't know my life. Most people don't know. I'll even be transparent with you right now. Most people don't know that I was just in jail this weekend. I didn't been in jail twice for some tickets and I stay overnight and then I minister the whole time, but it's still not, still not comfortable. Yeah. You know what I mean? So a lot of times I think when we don't know, maybe it's because people don't share the deep things, you know what I'm saying? And we don't know um but you know life is not it's life our life is just as challenging as anybody else's is um i have a daughter um that got sentenced to prison she's 22 years old i have five kids by four different guys um you know so everybody has something different have all of my children accepted jesus they have you know and so often when i'm doing ministry i'm like okay lord you want me to go do this but i got these kids over here you know even though they're grown i'm like you know, what do I look like going to do some ministry and my kids acting a fool, Yeah. you know, or whatever. Um, so it is, it, it's not always, you know, easy. Um, I could pull myself out of those moments quicker now than I could before, you know, yeah. but I still have moments. I still have those moments of sitting in my room crying saying, Lord, you sure you want me? Man, I <laughs> remember when those, go moments, those moments used to last me for days. weeks and now they last me minutes hours you know what i'm saying where i'm like well i think that comes with mature you know just maturity in christ you know what i'm saying i think we always think that we should be at one place you know when we're at a certain place but it's all progressive everything is is a process you know and so we can't does god accelerate it he does he has accelerated my life um and he will do that um but you know, you just got to, you know, take the steps. Um, yeah. Jennifer says our first ministry is always home and it, and it is, it is it's so hard to go out and minister to whom you are called mm-hmm. when home is not perfect. Right. Well, I remember, the, yeah. I remember God, <laughs> this should show you how crazy I was. I remember when Junior and I were married and God calling us to marriage ministry. And I said, how are we going to go out and minister to somebody? We are hot mess 2.0 in this marriage thing. Like we can't even be in a, like right. we were in that point, we were in a constant state of arguing and like, it was mm-hmm. ugly. 
And you know, the craziest thing is, even in our divorce, we are still ministering. We are yeah. still showing the love of God. Mm-hmm. We are showing repentance. We are showing forgiveness because yeah. we still go to the same church. We still hang out with our kids together. We still do holidays together. He's my best friend. And I don't just say that. He says that from the pulpit. Yeah. That, and it's funny because when he gave the testimony, he said it. He said, y'all heard Erica say we was going to be friends. And I was really like, uh, whatever. And we <laughs> really are friends. Yeah. And that is a testimony to God all by itself. Yeah. Because who do you know that's walking around here friends with their ex, going to the same church, meeting, <laughs> like, no, passing off grandkids, like, no. We, yeah. And so I get it because I think at the end of the day, when we say to God, to him I live and to him I'll die, mm-hmm. really going, going, being like you just so transparently said. Being in jail, you could have been sitting there whining. Why, God, why? You could have been sitting there complaining, and yet you never took your hand off the plow. Mm -mm. (laughs) You never took your hand off the plow, and you did what the call was. You did the work of the Lord. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I would have been that big of a person. (laughs) It it was very, at first, I was like, you know, I thought I was going to be out in a day, okay? And these are tickets that I made arrangements on through the county. And during COVID, you were supposed to check in every six months. And I forgot. Okay. Yeah. So I get pulled over and I'm in the car and he's listening to this crazy rap music that all the kids are listening to. And I'm like, oh, okay. I understand now. You know, the Lord will give me little. And so when I got back, they actually put me back in the pod. And the problem was I was in Cleveland County and Oklahoma County put a hold on me. So like I wasn't getting out. Okay. Okay. Um, my mom had went ahead and paid the fines and, you know, had all these people calling, you know, cause I told the people up there, I'm like, look, y'all don't understand who I am. I, I I'm here for an assignment and then I'm out of here. You know, the people, the people I'm connected to and the Lord, I, I'm not staying here long. I'm staying here long enough to, to make an impact and go. And so when I got back to the pod, there was 23 girls in there my God. Um, and I end up I prayed for, we all prayed in a circle before I left. Um, I got numbers, I got names. Um, I just shifted my mindset really quick because a lot of times when you don't understand um, that the Lord places you in a, in a position, because I, I could have had it paid off a long time ago. I'm not saying I didn't make a mistake. I did, you know, but the Lord had a plan in the end because Romans 8, 28, it all works out for our good. And so we shift our mindset when that type of stuff is happening, then we don't miss the assignment. We don't miss um, what God wants us to do because a lot of times we're complaining, you yeah. know, we're moaning and groaning um, and we're like, God, oh, why am I in jail? I, I've done it before. And this time I just was like, no, I've got to, I got to stay focused because there's probably some people in here that need me. And the girls were coming up to me. They were like, you're here um, because we have trauma where they were. A lot of the girls had charges because of guys. They took their charges, Yep. you know, and I was like, wow. You know, and they say the majority of the women that are in the penitentiary system. Mm-hmm. are in there because they took the charge of a baby right. daddy or a husband or a yeah. boyfriend, right? Like what in the, but I remember, like I remember doing some crazy stuff behind a boy. I ain't even going to say a man because a man would not have you doing yeah. crazy stuff behind him. Let's just keep it 100 yeah. behind a boy. Mm-hmm. I remember sleeping in trap houses. Oh, me too. <laughs> like what in now I'm thinking, girl, what in the world? Like yeah. literally, I remember riding around with dope in the car. Yep. <laughs> what in the world? Uh-huh. And I'd be the only white person, so I'd be carrying it in a backpack because <laughs> the police wouldn't search me. Because so. of course they're not gonna search it. I yeah. remember being in raids. I re- like yeah. I remember when my oldest daughter's dad. Um, when the feds came to my mother's house, right? My mom, and this, and this is this is my mom knows this. We all know this is life, so you know we yeah. not tell no secrets. Yeah. And I remember that police officer saying, "You don't fit." I don't understand this. I've been watching him for years. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Yeah. 
Like this is a Caucasian older man. <laughs> and he's reading me. He's reading me. Yeah. He ain't reading me my rights, but he was reading me. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it literally it took him. And I hate that he's still locked up. Don't get me wrong. That was my daughter's dad. He's dad to several. His kids need him. His mother, you right. know, they need him. But it literally took something like that to remove him yeah. for my life, mm -hmm. for me to halfway get it together. Yeah. And I, to this day, like, I don't know whose prayers. Yeah. I, but honey, I thank you. Yeah, God, me. I thank you. Because mm -hmm. we really did some crazy things. Oh, yeah. And so for you to be in jail mm -hmm. and be able to take the vision off of yourself. Yep. And be able to say, for God, I live. Yes. And for God, I die. Mm -hmm. Have your way with me, Lord. Use me for your glory. Because that's what you said without saying it. Right. Yes. And then you took your, you put your hand to the plow and you did the work. Melissa, mm -hmm. <laughs> that's a huge testimony. I'm seeing people say it. I'm seeing it. They like, wow. That's, that's, the second, powerful. that's the second time that I've been to jail and did ministry. And see, I was like, what prophet been to jail twice for the same thing? <laughs> you know, there's a lot of prophets that been to jail and I have been to jail previously because I was fighting in school and it was terrorizing for me. But um, in these last few years, the times that I have, and even my mom, she's like, Melissa, you should have taken, I'm like, mom, look, you know how my life is, you know, like my, my famous saying is I can't make this stuff up. Um, you know, <laughs> God just does some crazy stuff with me. And I rolled with, I mean, everybody was out here working to get me out. Um, actually, you know, somebody made a phone call to push the release for me because actually I was finished ministering. But it was a lot of the girls have called me from jail already. Oh um, and I plan on writing them. But they were like, you know, I was like, wait, when they called me, they're like, Gabriel, it's time for you to go. And I'm like, wait, I can't go. I got to pray for everybody. Who, and I thought, who does that? Honey, the rest of that would have been like, down. here I am. It's time for me to go. And you're like, wait, hold on. No, Can I get 10 more minutes? I got some yeah, more dudes. So we, we stood in a circle. We prayed. Um, I hugged a lot of the girls. One girl was like, I know you're here for us because we have trauma. We have this. And I was like, okay, God, that's right. That's why I'm here. You know, so um, it was for me, it was heartwarming and amazing. And I almost and I told the girls I turned around before I left and I said, does it sound bad that I don't want to leave y'all? And they're like, you better get out of here. <laughs> they're like, you better get out of here before they don't let you go home. And so and then a you are changing people. some lives right now. People that are listening, I'm hearing the comments, but I'm feeling in the Holy Amen. Ghost. There are people Amen. that are listening and that will hear this. Amen. And you are changing their lives because they are understanding that freedom comes through service. Yes. Freedom <laughs> comes through getting out of yourself. Yeah. Right? Because yes. I'm hearing so loudly in my, in my spirit mm -hmm. that scripture, if my people who yes. are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Yes. Seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Then yes. I will hear from heaven and heal their land. Yes. And I'm just, I'm seeing that Melissa, because to like you, you're, you got me blown over here. I can't even put it. In, I'm <laughs> I know I was trying to decide whether, cause I was going to go live and talk about it. Cause I like to tell, you know, my stories, but um, I was debating whether I was going to say it on here or not. And it was the right moment and the right platform, you know, to let people know that despite of where you're, where you are, you can still, you can still help people, you know, and the biggest thing about Jesus, he was moved with compassion. It's love. Love is the ultimate ministry. A lot of times, even me, I, I'm guilty of it. I've repented for it online before, um, is thinking that people should stop doing things or should not do certain things when it's their journey is different than ours. And it's just loving them where they are, you know, until they get to where God needs them to be. People, I, I have spiritual sons. I have spiritual children that are young adults. My spiritual son, I've pulled from trap from a trap house. 
um, from gangs, um, stuff like that. And it was, at first he was skeptical because how much I loved him, but I love, that's what I learned. Um, it's a, it's a joke between me and some of my friends. They call me the love doctor. Cause I love, I just love people. Um, but I, I've always loved people, but I grew to love people more when my brother, um, lost, you know, left, um, from suicide. And I, I thought that that was my mission, but the Lord showed me that I would be able to show people the Jesus that my brother never got to see. So um, that's, uh, I just love, I just love people almost sometimes to a fault. I have to pay attention because um, even though I still got a little, you know, I could get a little rowdy with people. um, I'm still, I just love, I love, I can love to a fault that people could try to take advantage of me. So I have to really, you know, use my discernment and pay attention, but, I genuinely um, just love people. And that's the thing is we don't love people where they are. You know, just I I watched, it was a TikTok, a guy on TikTok is here, but I was watching a TikTok and it was a, it was a conversation about people in ministry in their struggle, Mm -hmm. right? Which that means they're in their sin. Yeah. Do you sit them down or do you not? And so many times, and mm-hmm. I know we have to do things through the guidance of God, through the discernment right. of God. But so many times I see people sit down and that be their breaking, not for good right. or for bad. Right. And they never get up, give up again. I mean, right. you know, they never get up. And I'm like, there has to be another way. And I understand condemnation and I understand condemning. I was talking to a friend that is a Muslim and, oh, you know, Muslims yeah. do not operate in the grace of God. Right. You know, they just don't. And he was saying that that's our job. That's our job. And I'm like, no, our job is to love. Yes. That yes. is one of the commandments to mm-hmm. love our neighbor as we right. love ourselves. And we are to love and you love the sin out of them. You yeah. don't beat the sin out of them. Mm-hmm. You love the sin out of them. You know, in, in us loving them is not saying we right. support the sin. No, it's saying I love you, but I hate the sin. Right. And I love you despite because how many how long did it take some of us, including me, to accept the call? How patient was God with me? That's it. You know, like, so where do we get off? Like, <laughs> who gives us some type of authority um, to say that people should be at a certain place. And I, I say this all the time. I don't care how much words, you know, you can know, you, you can be full of the word, but, but your character, um, your self-discipline, all of that stuff doesn't even line up and that's okay. You know what I'm saying? But, and I'm going to love you where you are, but I, yeah. and I, I tell people that all the time. I don't care how much word that, you know, if, you know, you're not working towards, um, being different. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm not going to love you. I'm just saying. You got to be working that towards the matter. freedom that we talked about, the freedom yeah. in this thing. Right. If you're not working towards that total freedom, if right. you're not working towards God came that we have a life in heaven more abundantly, you got to right. be working towards that thing of deliverance, right. as you spoke about earlier. And if you're not, then I can love you, yeah. right? But I can't support you. No. And I can't yeah. want it for you more you than want it for yourself. yourself. Right. And I, and that's the thing you, you know, people say you can love people from a distance. There's people that, and really hearing the voice of God, you know, the Holy, Holy spirit, um, when it comes to assignments, because sometimes we are the person stopping God from being able to move, you know, cause we're trying to protect people, things like that. But knowing there's some people that the Lord has told me, I need you to just love them. Like no matter what they do, no matter what's going on, love them because some people have given up on them. Some people didn't stick with them because they thought, you know, everything they were doing was not right. And a lot of that comes from religion and tradition um, too. So it's, you know, just loving people. It doesn't. And the thing is that, that whatever time it took us to get through what we got through, it, it may not be that quick for the next person. Everybody's process is different. And so we have to understand that. I think, you know, as a body of believers, I think that's why we don't have unity because we don't have true love um, for people. Um, we got some old judgmental love. <laughs> yeah. You got 2.5 yeah. seconds to be delivered. 
Because I'm delivered, but it took you 250 years to get delivered. Right. But you and want them to be delivered like hocus pocus. And then they still may doing stuff, be doing stuff behind the scenes that they don't think we know about either. But we want to expose somebody else. Absolutely. Right. Oh, right. right. Melissa, girl, you don't. Oh, I can't wait to have <laughs> you back. When that book comes out, you got to come back. You're always welcome here. Yeah, I sure will. Life with Erica Nicole, where we, you know, we speak raw and real. We speak about healing, deliverance, our faith walk, our entrepreneurial journeys, um, just all of that. And it's so, this is so rich. Um, I could just tell by the comments that people are, they're just, their lives are being changed. One question I have for you before we wrap up is how can we support you? Um, you can support me, um, just in any way, um, sharing my stuff. Um, it's, you know, Melissa Gabriel, anything I have is the original Melissa Gabriel. Um, you're more than welcome to sew into me at any time. I don't, most people, I don't know if they know I do full-time ministry. The Lord takes care of me. I don't announce on Facebook that I need money. If God moves on your heart, um to ever give um i don't get a guaranteed paycheck but he takes care of me so i everything i do is is for him everything i have is his um so just sharing my stuff showing up at events um and if you wish to sew into me um you are more than welcome and all of that is on on my facebook um platform amen okay so in the comments um this will go live on the podcast platform tomorrow i have included your website um, on all of the platforms today. Tomorrow in the comments, all that information will be there. Okay. Um, so you can connect. You want to connect to Melissa on our social media platforms. You want to go to her website. You want to stay plugged in. She is fertile ground. Guys, she is fertile ground. Um, I'm going to reach out to you, Melissa, because I want to help support the women. Okay. The women that you prayed for, I yeah. want to help support. I, I, okay. I just feel very strongly that I want to link arms with you and support those young ladies because yes. you're doing the work. Yes. You are doing the work. And I may not be called to that work, but I'm yes. called to support your work. Amen. And that's what it's about is doing the work. Well, Melissa, I thank you for coming on. Thank um, I thank you for just being a part of my journey. Because that's exactly thank you. what you are is a part of my journey. And I thank you for trusting me and coming on and telling your testimony and telling your story and sharing this with uh, my audience. You know what? I we, we rarely do not close in prayer. Yet <laughs> and still, the Holy Spirit is asking me to allow you to close us in prayer. So if that's okay with you, I would yeah. love for you to close this out in prayer. Um, and then we'll close out and we'll move on to the next. Woo. Okay. Sounds good. Lord, I just thank you right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you for every person on the line. Lord, I thank you for freedom, whatever it, whatever it is that they need. Lord, I ask that you provide it right now. I join my faith with their faith. I thank you for freedom. I thank you for deliverance. I thank you for transformation. I thank you that even DNA is being restrained right now by the blood of Jesus and trauma is being removed from your people. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that mindsets are coming into order. Lord, I thank you right now um, that uh, in the spirit realm, I go in and I destroy the spirit of death by the blood of Jesus, um, that your people will live and not die, that they will declare the works of the Lord. Lord, I thank you um, for freedom. I just thank you for peace. I thank you for a peace that surpasses all understanding. Lord, I thank you for provision. I thank you for finances. I thank you for every request, whether they've wrote a request, whether it's in their mind, whether they've put it in their prayer room. Lord, I ask that you would accelerate it right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for angels being deployed on behalf of your people. Lord, I thank you that we are all saturated in the blood of Jesus. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for transformation. I thank you for testimonies. I thank you for Erica. I thank you for her life. Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do next for her. Lord, I thank you because of her obedience that not only those around her, but those connected to those around her will be set free. Lord, I thank you um, for the provision that you are even providing now. I thank you um, for a breakout. I thank you for a breakout in the spirit that people break out of cycles. They break out of systems. They break out of tradition. They break out of religion. Lord, I thank you um, 
for all of that. I thank you for all that you've done and all that you are about to do. I thank you. And we give you all the honor and all the glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Oh my God. Oh my God. The richness of God. I just feel his love and I just feel his Holy Spirit moving. Melissa, you have blessed our socks off this evening. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be a guest on the Speak Life with Erica podcast. Really, it's not my podcast. It's God's <laughs> podcast. Because I told right. you a long time ago, he was going to hijack it. And that <laughs> is what he has done. And I'm okay with that. Because I told him if he could use anything, he could use me. And that's exactly what he's doing. So I thank you. Thank you guys for listening, whether you're on live on YouTube or Facebook, or whether you're catching this on your favorite um, podcast platform. Don't forget to support Go connect with Melissa. Don't forget to connect with me. Go to my website, www.ericaspeakslife.com, or you can find me. My um, my platform is Erica Speaks Life all over social media, Erica with the K, no C, or of course, Wake Pray Shine Media, which is the house, um, the uh, the house to support for the podcast. Guys, go and connect. Make sure you go over to Spotify, Apple, and leave your reviews. Podcast need reviews and podcast needs downloads, and I need them all. So, guys, thank you, thank you, thank you, and look out for Melissa and her rap artist. I cannot wait. Um, yeah. My kids love gospel rap, and I cannot wait um, to 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 hear that and see what you guys do. So, once again, thank you, Melissa. Thank you, everybody. We're gonna end this live stream right now. Be blessed. Who this is? Mm. <laughs> <laughs>